following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. First down, hand off, Elliott plowing to the goal line. Perry, sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it, and he bangs it into the touchdown. Now, your hosts, Mickey Spagnola, Rob Phillips, Everson Walls, and Bill Jones. And it's a Tuesday inside the SWBC Mortgage Studios here at the Star in Frisco. And time to talk, Cowboys. No Rob today. He's out this week. But we hope to have Rob back next week. Right, Mickey Spagnola? Yes, since I missed last week, yep. we're just rotating yep. who's missing here. That's right. We're, we're mainstays we're, we're, we're right mainstays, here. Man. That's right. I mean, we're the oldest guys here, right? Uh, uh, no, Why he's the you? oldest guy. No, no, you? He just looks so <laughs> cute. I never know how old he is. <laughs> he's like a baby with a beard. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, oh, wow. So much to talk about. We do. We got a Super Bowl matchup. Mm-hmm. I got my Super Bowl hat on. <laughs> yeah, but it's the wrong color. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like it's and totally you're, wrong and, from last year. And you're here. Yep, I'm here. But no one's there yet. Yeah, that's yeah. right. This there is, is the off week. Well, I can claim Are you me. still going? I'm not going. No. Oh, okay. Oh, no. that's right. It's a no. different broadcast. That's right. It's a Fox broadcast. <laughs> it's not CBS. We break out all stops uh, when it's CBS. Uh, there you go. Okay. There you go. But, uh, so it's Kansas City, the Dallas Texans, and uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Should be a good Super Bowl matchup. Almost. Really a, good matchup. Almost a good anniversary game, right? From the first one? Yeah. Almost. Good. So, so KC beat both teams in the playoffs that had. Uh, a little, a little something in common, right? Houston Oilers. Yeah, that's right. right? That's right. right. So you get the Texans <laughs> and the Titans. Right? That's right. Both of them came through Houston. That's right. So in fact, cool. in fact, if you really want to go yep. back in time, we're talking okay. Texas ties on both sides. Uh, yeah, right. There yeah, you go. that's right. You had this AFC Championship game matchup was yes. a rematch of the 1962 <laughs> AFL Championship game. The Dallas Texans winning in double overtime over the Houston Oilers. Wow. And Lamar Hunt subsequently moved the team to Kansas City right after that. Absolutely. That was classy dude. That is a classy dude. Yeah, the Hunt, the whole Hunt family. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm sure it was a it was all a money thing, but they could have stayed here, you know, and fought it out. They could have battled for the market, I guess you might say. Well, and if you look back at the archives from 1960, 61, 62, of course the Cowboys were an upstart yep. expansion franchise mm-hmm. and just getting their legs, and the Texans were more popular at the outset. They sure were. They were, and more mm-hmm. successful, too. Mm-hmm. By the and way, then still by the fact they won to, the... <laughs> still decided to just move up, pick up the stakes, and move on out. He got a uh, sweetheart deal. Uh, he must have. To move to Kansas City, if I remember the mayor of Kansas City enticed him uh, with some financial incentives, and off he went. And, and he took a lot of great Texas athletes with him, too. Yes. Yes, Emmett Thomas, right? Mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Was a Bishop, Bishop College? I think so. Yeah. I think yeah, so. Yeah. Yep. A lot of local guys were on yep. that squad. And Texas guys, E.J. Hollum, mm-hmm. you know, is a Texas guy. A draft uh, choice of the Cowboys. There you go. That they That's didn't right. sign. Yeah. Big Buck Buchanan, Grambling State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, a Get great that squad. Grambling in How there. many Hall of Fame, Hall of Famers on that team when you think about it? Otis Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Dawson. You're talking uh, Emmett Thomas. Mm-hmm. 
And a great squad, Marcellus. I remember Marcellus being uh, in the secondary, a great man-to-man uh, player. You also had the guy that just just got the Hall of Fame the year after I didn't make it. He had 57 interceptions. Oh, yeah. Is it Johnny Robinson? Yeah, Johnny yes. Robinson. Johnny, Johnny Robinson. Robinson. That's, that's right. exactly right. Yeah. So that's a yep. great squad. And, you know, you have to think about it. He's one of the last ones to make the Hall of Fame on that, on that team as far as the superstar players. Mm-hmm. So and, did they? Uh, he did finally they, got in as a senior. Did they keep throwing that in their face that it'd been <laughs> how many years since 50. they been to the Super Bowl? Uh, 50. 50. Fifty years. Fifty years. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Super Bowl four. Yep. Super Bowl. Well, this is fifty-four, so that would be four. Four. I figured it out real quick. <laughs> didn't I? I always get them confused with when uh, the Jets won it and then when Kansas City won it, but they went to the first one. That's right, against Green Bay, mm-hmm. and that's what you were alluding to yes. off the top there. Almost in the 100th year of the National Football wow. League, had a rematch of the first Super Bowl. And Green Bay didn't come close to holding up their end of the bargain. That's Why right. That? <laughs> God, they just got wiped out. And that's very unusual for a Lombardi team, especially in a championship game. Yeah. No, you're, you're, no, yeah, meant, you're talking about this game. I meant this <laughs> game. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm like, wait a minute. No, Lombardi beat him. <laughs> So I thought, I like, okay, maybe it's a little CTE no, checking in. A little game. CTE coming in Packers here. Didn't on hold one up. of our sides. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that was a wipeout. Here's, here's how much uh, things have changed. Pat Summerall used to tell the story uh, about the first Super Bowl. And, you know, it was televised by both CBS and NBC, Green Bay and Kansas yep. City. And they came back from a at halftime, half-time. The, se- the second half kickoff. And CBS was still in a commercial. Maybe both networks. <laughs> no, was. I think it was. I think NBC was still in a commercial. CBS came back. Okay. And 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 Pat, they were switching who was doing the sideline reporter. But so he was, was on working the for second CBS. Half, yeah, the yeah. second half was his. Right. So he's down on the on the sideline. And the producer calls in his air. Well, what happened was Green Bay kicked off. Yeah. Okay. And but they were in a TV timeout. Okay. And so now you take it. Baby. So so one of the stations had it. The other state NBC didn't. Okay. All right. And uh, so he gets in his ear, and this is his first thing he's ever done. Wow. For TV, right? Pat Summerall. This is his start. And the producer goes, uh, Pat. NBC was in commercial break and missed the kickoff. Would you ask Vince Lombardi if he would kick off again? <laughs> since oh, since Pat knew man. Lombardi, since oh, he played God. for the Giants when Lombardi was a coach How there. How did we survive? So, so, oh, come on. So Summerall's answer is, absolutely not. <laughs> Can you imagine going up to any coach, much less oh, Vince man. Lombardi, and, and so saying, they, um, they found, we need to kick off again. They found some underling to go up to Lombardi and goes, uh, Coach, they missed the kickoff on NBC. Could you kick off again? And well, I remember. Yeah, okay. Wow. And so they, he did? They, he I did. didn't know that. What? Yes. Man, come on, They man. did. No. Because you know what? The, back then, you guys are too young. <laughs> the I've NFL. Never, I've never heard anybody tell me. The NFL. <laughs> the NFL. The NFL just didn't recognize the AFL. They they felt like this was a slap in their face that yeah. they had to play this game. Right. The NFL championship game they considered the championship the Super Bowl, game. Yeah. It's like oh now we got to play this game right so. Lombardi, I don't, I don't know how serious the Packers took it, and uh, and, and he goes, yeah, yeah, we'll kick off again. Well, they did. I, I can't imagine, man. 
<laughs> missed the kickoff. These days, I, I, like I said, it's amazing that we've survived. Yeah. When you look at all the crap that went on through history, forget sports, politics, and wars alone. How are we still sitting here? How is the world not just disintegrated like a and by the way, an you, Avengers you movie mentioned, or something? You mentioned Grambling, and I meant to. I wanted not to forget this. I got to go to. Uh, the Eddie Robinson uh, Coach of the Year banquet yes. when I went down to the national championship game. And uh, uh, Coach O won, won it. Hopefully he's that good because he just lost both coordinators, by mm-hmm. the way. Yes. Uh, and I ran into Eddie Robinson the third, and he said to we make, sure, you, make sure you tell Everson I said hi. Is he a little clone of his grandfather or what? It just, yes. just looks just like him. He'll soon be brushing his hair up. <laughs> really nice guy. Yeah, I, I had a, a long conversation. But when with you grow up with the Robinson family, you 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 go through a lot of different organizations that others don't get a chance to go through. The Yankees, of course, loved Eddie Robinson. We were like the first football team to play a a football game in Yankee Stadium. Really? Yeah, nineteen sixty nine, I think it was. Hmm. Uh, it was uh, Morgan State. Okay. I think they said three Hall of Famers came from that football game back then. And so that's when, you know, the HBCUs, they were just black colleges. Right. And they just had studs all running through there before all integration came. So it was an amazing event. So now he's he's working with the Yankees, talking about Eddie Trey. He's working with uh, uh, several organizations that because Eddie Robinson's your grandfather, he has gotten to know some of the most important people in the world. Yeah. And he walks around like – He's never met anybody. No, just yeah, just the nicest guy. Yeah. And I told he asked. We were talking. I said, "Well, you can do me one favor." I said, "What's that?" I said, "Would you leave the Eddie Robinson Museum open on the weekends? Because <laughs> when I drive through, it's closed on the weekends." He goes. Well, you have connections, and I bet I can open it there for you. There you go. There you go. And, and I met have, his son, have, too, Eddie Robinson the fourth. Uh, wow. How about that? See, I hadn't even really? met him. He's in college now. I wow. Think. Yeah. Eddie Trey has a son in college? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like you, Spade. He looks like he's like 25. Well, he does. You're right. Yeah. So anyway, I want so to So where is the sure Eddie Robinson you. Museum? It's, in, it's on campus. In Grambling. In, okay. Yeah. I have pictures if you want to see it. All right. I do. All right. They have a video running through there. And uh, it was the uh, oh you guys the uh, quarterback story that we had the the one white quarterback it was a Grambling Tiger mm-hmm. and you will not remember who was the star of that movie and I was there as they shot the movie uh, my wife and I were in the movie were you we really? were extras in the movie <laughs> do you know who the white tiger I was heard the name but I do not remember well his name has changed it used to be Bruce. And now it's uh, Caitlin. It's what? Caitlin. 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 Am I right? Oh, I'm with you. That's now. how you say really? it, right? Caitlin Jenner. Yeah. Is that how you say her he name? W- That's Bruce Jenner. Bruce he was, was the, the white court. tiger. Bruce was the white. I was in a scene uh-huh. with Bruce Jenner, guys. You gotta look it up, man. White Tiger. I was in a domino scene. I'm with my boys. We're domino playing dominoes. Scene. Come on, it's a black college. You gotta put a domino scene in there. Come on, <laughs> you can't have a, a scene <laughs> at Grambling State. Come on, back oh, in the great. '60s and, and not have a domino scene. So I'm playing dominoes, me and my boys, and we look up, and some white dude opens the door, an all-black school in the dormitory, and he goes, "Hey guys," and we look at him like he's. 
got no clothes on. Black people has no clothes. Like, what are you doing in here, white boy? So you know how many, how many movies have been called White Tiger? I don't know. <laughs> Grambling's White Tiger. Okay, only let me, one. Let me put in Grambling. <laughs> only one. <laughs> Hey, that helped me pay my bills when I was off off campus for oh, my senior year. They actually year. paid you to yes, sit there, there and be on, in man. it. I'm a, I'm a SAG now. You didn't dude. have a, you didn't have a 1981 <laughs> movie. I'm, a, I'm I'm with SAG, man. Come on. <laughs> I didn't see you on the show last Sunday. That's right, Sunday. Bruce Jenner, starring Bruce Jenner. Oh, that, dude, the the uh, the Allstate man, the, the the insurance man, Dennis Habert. Yeah, uh, Habert was there. He was there. Yeah. I mean, come on, everybody was there, man. The the guy from the rookies, the the the. One of the black guys from the rookies, the the old show, uh, Sanford, right? Sanford, uh, I think is his name. He's the producer or the director of the show. Yeah, stars at Grambling. See, man. you don't get this anywhere else, but anywhere right. Cowboys, else, that's baby. Right. That's right. George Stanford Brown. George Stanford Brown was the director of the of the roots. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. There you go. I all rub right. elbows with them all, baby. Well, not just spags. I, since, I, go, <laughs> I go deeper than that. Since we're talking Hall of Famers. Meeting yes. Eddie Robinson. Should we talk Hall of Fame now? We're closing sure, in not? on the close of this first segment. I don't know that we have enough time I to. I don't think we do. I know we don't have enough yeah. time to. Yeah. Well, let's talk. Let, okay, let's talk about the ones who got in first, and then we'll come back and talk about the one who did not get in. Excellent. Uh, it was, and we talked about Jimmy last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mickey, you weren't here last week, right? But it was great seeing Jimmy uh, as he found out, got surprised. On Emotional. Even, even yeah. I was happy. Even I was happy. For I, I don't. I never <laughs> think I've ever seen him happy, emotional like that. You know, yeah. he's usually happy. No, he's that very was yeah, boastful. that was like yeah, yeah. Like, that came from that came, came from, from somewhere within. he wasn't ready for. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and then the fact that they had the uh, wherewithal to keep a camera on Troy. Uh, yes. During yep. it. Yes. That was, that was pretty good producing there. Yep. And then uh, Cliff Harris gets in last Wednesday. That's great stuff, man. Yeah. I had called Cliff uh, the week before. I don't know what I was doing. I just got bored. I called him <laughs> and uh, we started talking. I had him laughing about different stuff. So then I called him back after he won. I told him I was good luck for him. Yeah. <laughs> that phone call got him in. I got, to, I got to talk to him Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday after I got back. I gave him a call after he did an announcement. And yeah, he was really happy. He was pretty humble about it, too. No doubt. Yeah, uh, he was. Knowing him. And uh, yeah, but he, he, he just thought it was great. And. Uh, and he said he made sure he'd text back and forth with Drew. Uh, I'm not getting ahead of ourselves, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Uh, just to let him know that, uh, you know, as happy as I am, I'm more sad for you not getting in. Mm-hmm. And that was the reason I called him uh, the second time was because everybody was just so heartbroken. Yeah. You know, you had the video right there, and it just, and like I said, we're getting ahead of ourselves. But you just can't talk about how Cliff deserves better. In regards to us being so angry about Drew, that man, this guy made the Hall Let's of enjoy fame, the fact man. that he it was made like it, yeah. a secondary he's a story. free agent, yeah. man. Yeah. He was a free from Wachita Baptist, and he's in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So I had to tell him, I had to call him, let him know. You know, he, he, he's always laughing at me, but I had to call him, let him know how unfair <laughs> that you know we all feel for him because. It's overshadowed. Moment, yeah. It's so overshadowed by a man. Uh, what a great accomplishment, you know. And I, I talked about his numbers to him, and you know how, God, dude, I, you you don't realize. You look at him as a, a player that just came up and hit people. This guy's six time Pro Bowler. That's six time Pro Bowler. That's a lot yeah. of Pro Bowls for a free safety. And he and he still got his wits about him. Too. He still does. He, he still he's does. got a great 
room in his house. So he's got his upstairs man cave, sort of like yeah. you, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he's got a closet in there, and it's a big walk-in closet. And he's got everything from back in his playing day, like the, the playbooks for the games. Wow. He's got them in binders. And you go in there and see where he kept oh notes. On he and Charlie Waters deserve each other. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they just keep. Who keeps he that kept, stuff? He <laughs> kept it all. I couldn't wait to get rid of that stuff. And, and <laughs> I, I can't tell you the stuff he had in there, White. And then when we were getting ready to leave, we were going down, and I was talking about the closet, and his wife comes in. She goes, oh, "You didn't take them in that closet, did you?" And I said it was the best part of the tour. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Well, it was you know, unbelievable. You, and you have to mention. Uh, I don't want to go through the break. But you have to mention uh, just how he played for his father. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. His father was blind, if I'm not mistaken. From wasn't diabetes. Able to That's see why him. he does the That's golf tournament. That's why he does the golf tournament. But he wasn't able to see him play. I, I don't know if he wasn't able to see him play at all, but I know at a certain age, uh, Cliff was playing in front of his blind father. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of that's that's that, that just shows a lot of dedication, strength, and also sadness. You know, my dad was blessed enough. You know, our, our parents. Hopefully, you guys were the same way. They weren't afflicted with anything like that, and to carry that with you, uh, I would imagine it fueled him a lot. Yeah. As he played from Wachita all the way through, uh, you know, playing for his dad, and of course, he kept that legacy alive through the golf tournament, as we spoke of. And uh, I had Rick Goslin on my uh, show on CBS 11 on Sunday night. He he talked about uh, Cliff Harris, and he thinks one of the reasons – Cliff didn't even think he was going to get it. I mean, yeah. he, he it blindsided him. He, he thought uh, – yeah, All no, of us. Yeah. He, he, he <laughs> we're, was all, like, we're all thinking Drew. And, and but Goose <laughs> thinks one of the reasons is the makeup of this committee – and there were seven football guys on this committee, the Special Centennial Class Selection Committee, including Bill Belichick. I'm looking at the list of the committee members. Gil Brandt was on it. Uh, I'm looking for other football guys who were on it. Dick LeBeau, John Madden, uh, Ozzie Newsom. He said there were seven guys. Bill Polian. Uh, who were and Ron Wolf, okay, mm-hmm. and not just media members. And so he thinks the reason Cliff got in was those football guys looked at how he was. They weren't looking at stats. They don't care anything about stats or how many Pro Bowls you're in. They were looking at, at you, who, how you play, how you played football, right? And so that says a lot about the respect that Cliff Harris has among football people that in this class he got in. Mm-hmm. And I heard I heard Goose talk about the d- the day. Or the days they had two 12-hour meetings in person, and this fouled uh, several conference calls with everybody that they held before that. So it was pretty extensive. They didn't. They weren't very cavalier about it. Um, so I guess we've blown the second segment here. Now, okay, we'll be yeah, back in a moment. Yeah. We talk yeah. Drew Pearson <laughs> in just that, a moment that, here on Talking Cowboys. Going, <laughs> I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment 
equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys, helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too right above the subway well i bet you don't even notice it after the that's my neighbor angus a deal that's just okay is not okay get a great deal with america's best network come into an at&t store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for zero dollars down based on gws1 score september 2019 back Talking Cowboys. Got a lot to get to here on this edition of Talking Cowboys. When we get into this Cowboys coaching staff, of course, Senior Bowl is starting up this week. Coaches aren't down at the Senior Bowl decision made by Mike McCarthy, keeping them here. The scouts mm. are there at the uh, Senior Bowl this week. And uh, But let's talk Drew Pearson for a little bit here because I think everyone was pretty shocked and dismayed last Wednesday morning when Drew did not get the call with this expanded class of uh, senior players that uh, were added to the Hall of Fame. There were 10 players, seniors, who were voted in uh, to the Hall of Fame. I believe six of them are deceased. Uh, so they were players from the 20s, mm-hmm. 30s, 40s, 50s. Rick Goslin told me that was one of, the, one of the reasons they had the expanded class was to take care of those who had been bypassed uh, way back in the past. Yeah. But uh, as far as the modern era guys now, Drew Pearson is the only uh, all-decade player, not just wide receiver, but all-decade player who is not in the Hall of Fame after Cliff Harris got in. You know, mm-hmm. and when Cliff got in, and I think he he understood, uh, and, and Everson can talk about it, when you get so close to making it and you don't get in, it's just crushing. And in 2004, he was in the final 10 uh, along with Bob Hayes and Rayfield Wright. And he got eliminated when they cut to six, I think it was, or seven. Uh, no, six. And then the other two guys got voted out. Rayfield didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Bob Hayes didn't make it that year. So crazy, three man. of them. That's crazy. Man. I mean, that's got to be excruciating. And so he understood Drew's part of that, of how crushing it can be. And, you know, and Everson, you did the same thing. You have a room full of people, and you're sitting mm-hmm. there waiting, and and then it doesn't and happen. They, see, his was uh, – they just had to drive to his house. Mm-hmm. Mine flew to Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking – yeah, I, I feel for you, but no. No, uh, <laughs> now, in regards to Drew, man, God, it's just uh, – it's so much I want to say, and I just have to be kind of careful. 
You know, when you talk about the old regime of the Cowboys, they weren't friends of the players. Let's just say what it is. They weren't friends of the players. We were adversarial. Uh, we had an adversarial relationship, management and players. And there was a time there to where they feel right. Bob Hayes. I mean, come on. Mel Renfro even. Mm -hmm. These guys had to wait. They had to wait way too long to get in. Some of them, it, it took begging from others. Bob Hayes changed the Changed sports. He changed the game. Mm -hmm. He changed sports. Olympic medal, Super Bowl. Okay, you can look that up and see how unique that is. You know, Rayfield Wright, all pro, like, oh, my God, 10, 11, 12 times. And you take all this time to get in. Mel Renfro. So you got to know that, you know, when you start talking about that, that, that environment from back then, it wasn't friendly. And Tex Schramm and those guys, they had long memories. And if you made them mad, then they got something for you. Leroy Jordan. Leroy Jordan. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, we're, we're talking guys that deserve to be in. Didn't get in the ring of honor until get in. Jerry bought the team. So now here you go. This is the, this is the dynamic here. Old regime, don't give a crap. Uh, well, really, not just don't give a Old regime, really not your friend. New regime comes in. Oh, all those guys that didn't make it in the old regime, oh, we don't dislike you. We just, you, you know, you, we just don't care for you. I mean, we don't dislike you, but we've got guys that we have to deal with now. So you got guys like Drew Pearson, myself, Cornell Green. You know, you just Especially talked about Cornell. All, uh, Cornell, all pro at safety and corner. All of these guys have been forgotten about. Harvey Martin. Harvey, uh, don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> so all these guys have been forgotten about and now are low priority for this uh, organization, this regime. You can't blame Jerry for that. You can't do that. It's but almost we are like stuck he's got to make up for what yeah, should have been make, done. Yeah, you got me making up for Harvey Martin. You should have put Harvey Martin in. Mm -hmm. So these are kind of, this is the dynamic that we're dealing with that leads to the sadness of Drew Pearson and everybody that loves him. And it affects everybody. Hel I talked to Harold Carmichael. He's upset about it, even though he's blessed to get in. Anyone's story that's positive, then you've got the Drew Pearsons, you've got the Harvey Martins. You're not long, that family, Drew and his, oh, I'm sorry, Harvey and his mom are gone. Mm. So, you know, you got to think about what that family thinks about every, every uh, Hall of Fame. My problem is, not my problem, my approach is this. Before I got in, I never saw a Hall of Fame event. I, don't, I, I still haven't seen one. I don't care to see one. Mm -hmm. I, I promised my dad when he died. I, I'm, I'm not, I, I, until I'm in, he used to call me every, every, every Hall of Fame. <laughs> hey, hey, son, you shut him down pretty good. Our mom goes in, hey, son, wait a minute. He called me all the time, right? So we had fun with it. So that's just our little thing. So everyone has their good and, and you know, sad stories or whatever you want to call it. But I think it's a tragedy that we uh, uh, had to get here because of these political uh, dynamic, this political dynamic crap that, that went on back then, and really is still continuing today. No fault of Jerry's. Mm -hmm. and it's not my job to make up for that. I got other guys I got to deal with. We got to deal with Witten now, Ring of Honor. We got to deal with Tony Romo, Ring of Honor. Some of these guys hadn't even made it to that yet. Right, even in the conversation. Even in the conversation. Right. You know, and, and, and I got a feeling what happened was when they started going through this and they, they looked at the coaches and it was like, okay, Jimmy deserves to be in. So, Jimmy. And then they looked at the players and, you know, 
with Cliff, it, it had been so long since he, you know, it, I mean, 2004 is a long time ago, right, when he came that close. And it's like, okay, he deserves to be in. And when, then when you're voting, you, I, I guarantee you those guys looked at that list and said, well, we three can't cowboys, put three, three cowboys, cowboys in. in. And, and it's like Drew took it up to shorts, you know. And, mean, and, and when you think about what, what, what Bill said about the type of guys that were in the room, to me— that that boosts Drew's yes, uh, yes. even even more. So I when just you think said they that, couldn't that do kinda, three Cowboys. That didn't sit well with me at all. And there was only well, three the other teams thing that got two guys. Keep in. in mind on Harold Carmichael's resume, it does say Dallas Cowboy on there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Last year hey, with the Cowboys. I know because I was the one taking them out so, every night. So, <laughs> so there are some in that room who considered Harold Carmichael. I just a remember wa- walking too. in the locker room. I'm going, that's the tallest wide receiver hey, I ever seen in my I life. Talk to Harold, Harold, like, man, we weren't worth the crap when I was there, but boy, we had fun. And the other thing with the football guys in the room, and this is one thing that Goose told me the other night, is they looked at Harold Carmichael as a you know as tall as a six eight guy, and he was the first of those type wide receivers coming into the league, and they looked at it. And much in the same way as like a Bob Hayes, yes. the big wide receiver, he yeah. was the first of those types. And, and then, and then also, and this really got lost, was the fact that Clint Murkison. I don't even yeah. think they discussed it. And think about it: if not for Clint, we're not sitting here. That's right. <laughs> we <laughs> ain't here. There's no here. There's, there's yeah, no. This is still foreclosed land. Right? Wait, who knows? <laughs> who be knows? The Dallas Texans. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> They probably would yeah, be in Kansas right? City. We'd be in Kansas City right now. Yeah. So, I mean, how how does that happen? But I, you know, I understand, and you know, but no, see, no one knows who that is because when it you didn't take happen. so long, right, right. to do things right. We've been doing it outside of sports. We've been doing it in politics. We've been doing it socially. Everything that went to crap centuries ago. Now we got to make up for it. Right. I guarantee the people in that room didn't know. I mean, Summerall might. I mean, not Summerall. Um, Gosling? Uh, Goose probably knows who he was, right? I don't know who else. Madden probably knows. Uh, but n- no one knows Clint. And, and you know, and, and oh, he— Berkerson. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. he was he was in the background. He wasn't a guy that was out front. What did you get? Like two years, maybe, in, before he passed away. Yes. When and he yeah, sold well, and, well, and he yeah, sold the yeah, team and then he passed yeah. away. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't an out front guy. He let Tex run the show. He let Tom and and, and Gil run the show. But if it's not for Which him, is the way, that's the right. Way that's the way be. it used to be, right? <laughs> this is my. I'm a rich man, and this is my toy. Yeah. And I love being around these guys, right? And now he, the toy has become your your staple. Yeah, now yeah, it's a business. That's right. And, and so that that's the unfortunate thing that no one even discusses the fact that he didn't get in. And at some point, the guy that started the Dallas Cowboys should be in the yeah, Hall of Fame. Yeah, how are you going to put the GM in? Yeah, or, or, yeah, or the coach in, and, and, co- and, yeah, and the scout. In, yeah, except for the guy that started that hired everybody. Yeah. All right, and the good news for uh, Drew Pearson, Goose believes that he's going to get in probably this coming year. Yeah, thanks, Goose. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Goose. But he thought he also doing, was going to get in this year, job, too. Yeah, G- uh, I, 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 love, I love that when, when, when the guy doesn't get in that you think should get in, and you go and talk to guys, and it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I understand how he didn't get in. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right. Well, well, that's well, your job. I, yeah. I, 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 I need I, some transparency on this I can balance. remember and when, You know what? I'm glad you said that because – that's one thing I like about, and Goose has been a part of it, I believe. You know, this this process, it, it needs to be transparent. 
It really they does. do in baseball, right? Yep, they right. reveal yeah. their votes. It's, it's too much BS going on. You know, of course, there's politics and everything. Even if the media was taken out of it and the players were the first line of defense to vote for Hall of Fame, there'd still be a lot of politics involved. Mm-hmm. Let's just be real about that. But I, I just like the fact that the veil has been lifted and we can see just what the process is so I can know who to point the finger at and blame. <laughs> and the veil has been lifted on this new Cowboys coaching staff. So when we come back, we will tell you who you can point at and blame next season. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back in a moment. <laughs> Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today in the Stadium Pro Shop or at Stetson.com. Your new apartment's big. Such a great deal. Uh, it's okay. Just okay? What's not too... Right above the subway! Well, I bet you don't even notice it after the... That's my neighbor, Angus! A deal that's just okay is not okay. Get a great deal with America's Best Network. Come into an AT&T store to find out how to get one of our popular smartphones for $0 down. Based on GWS1 score September 2019. Essilor is a proud sponsor of the Dallas Cowboys. Helping fans see more and do more with our best vision solutions. Our lens technologies reveal a world more beautiful than you can imagine. For a limited time, get the Essilor Next Gen offer. When you buy the latest generation of Transitions lenses with select Essilor lenses, you can choose a second pair of clear lenses for free with qualifying frame purchases. Restrictions apply. Find a participating eye care professional by visiting EssilorUSA.com. Essilor. See more. Do more. So, you're shopping, and that's when you see it. Aisle 23. Dr. Pepper stack from top to bottom as far as the eye can see. The phrase too good to be true comes to mind, yet there it is. A rich, delicious Dr. Pepper paradise. Wait, did, did that can of Dr. Pepper just open itself for you? They all are. As if to say, so nice to treat you. And even though it feels weird to talk to a can, you pick one up and say, it's so nice to be treated. Dr. Pepper, so nice to treat you. Back to Talking Cowboys. Okay, Mickey doesn't have his material for a Jack Black read. But and, Bill but has I, a personal I, experience. Yeah, I have a little Jack anecdote to pass along. <laughs> There's a Jack Black warehouse of some sort in Coppell. <laughs> I can tell you that much because we were driving to a party the other night and my wife said, look, there's a Jack Black building right there. So there you go. Well, maybe we should drive over there and introduce ourselves. <laughs> yeah. We need product. There you go. Well, she, she <laughs> bought, If they saw your beard this morning, they, they, they uh, think clearly the give you. Which, yeah. by the way, I started using that razor and uh-huh. it is really good. I don't know when why. When was the last time you used it? Uh, <laughs> it hasn't been this morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. Friday. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I think I I think Friday because I had to do okay. a TV appearance. All yeah. right. All right. On Thursday, you had an opportunity along with other scribes to yes. uh, visit with the head coach Mike McCarthy. How'd that go? Uh, it went. I thought awfully well. Um, and there was kind of two parts to it. We we were on the record. We were able to record things. There was no video allowed, uh, no texting during the, the session. I think we were in there for 
35 minutes with him, maybe. He had a break with him and because he came Bill and did his TV. He did a five-minute segment with me for uh, the Cowboys huddle. First and, things first. Yeah, yeah. and then right. he came back, and it was just uh, off the record, just kind of shooting. So tell us the, the off-the-record stuff. That's what yeah, we want to hear. I'm not supposed to, Bill. <laughs> but but he was very he, he was very engaging, and he you know he had stories and. Um, you know, now let's see if this takes continues when there's things on the That's line, right? right? Mm-hmm. And I've heard that, like, when he gets in the press conferences during the season, he doesn't give away no, anything. He Most coaches don't. Right. And and that's what everybody wanted to always criticize Jason for. And he's, he's very, he was, I remember, especially when he and Rodgers were going at it, he was very short at his press conferences. Right. You could just see that he was fed up with all of this mess. But he was pretty expansive uh, with us talking, you know, and he, he really answered all the questions. And there, there was really no question that he said, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to answer that. The only thing he kind of hedged his bet on was what sort of defense they would play. You know, you're going to play a 3-4, you're going to play a 4-3. And he kind of went back and forth. And, and then he finally said, look, we're going to have a four-man line. And so – to take it for what wow. that's worth. But they're in the they're in a sub package. Yeah, and that's eighty percent of the 80, time. Eighty five percent of the time, he said we're in a sub package, so you're a four man line. So, but but I thought it was it was instructive that 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 basically said I'm not picking players to fit my scheme. I'm picking the this. best players available. I'm picking Dallas Cowboy players, and then we'll adjust what we do to the talent we have. And that's on offense, defense, yes, whatever, and special yeah. teams, whatever. So I thought that was that was good. Uh, the other thing that impressed me uh, was the fact in one week's time, he put a staff together, so he knew going in what he wanted to do. You don't just get the job and go, mm, okay, let me go out there. He already had a plan that I want Mike Nolan to do this. You know, I want Jim Tom Sula. Is that how you say mm-hmm. uh, to do this and. And so he had this in his – and he wanted Kellen Moore, and he pointed out – went out of his way to point out that when he was interviewing for other jobs, he had his eye on Kellen Moore to bring him along as his offensive coordinator. Really? So he, he thought that much of him, of what he did in his first year. Do they have a year. personal connection in any no, way? None, no, none, other than keeping an eye on him from afar. He spent the last year studying the Cowboys' offense, probably, yeah. and what the, what's happened this last and, season. And he was like, if I had gone to Carolina or the Giants, wherever else he had interviewed, he, he was like, I was if they didn't keep him here, I, I was mm. coming after him. That says a lot. And who's calling plays? And then he pointed out, and he's going to call the plays. That says a lot. Right? It really does. And he said, he said, now I'll be involved in the structure. He, and he and he kind of said that's what he got away from in Green Bay when he didn't call plays. He wasn't involved in the structure of the offense, the game plan in the offense. Uh, and he thought that was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. I agree with so, that. So, but this is his expertise. This is why he lasted that long as a head coach. Uh, and he pointed out that yeah, I'm going to let him call plays. So that was that was very I, interesting. I'd, I'd say he'll let him call plays, but he'll but be I'll buried have, on the shoulder. He'll have yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll have a, a card in his he hand sure too, will. right? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, the fact that he had all these guys and a lot of them he had relationships with that he hired, which is good. And, and I learned that lesson 
uh, back when the Cowboys, in 89, mm-hmm. when Jimmy came, for better or for worse, he brought all his guys all from Miami with him. I think trust. there was like eight guys, Yes, right? Yes. And he said, I made the mistake when I took the job at Miami. And he didn't get the job till the first week in June when uh, Schnellenberger mm-hmm. left to go. It was going to be a USFL team, I believe, that never happened right. in Miami. And so all he got to do was bring Butch Davis with him, one guy from his Oklahoma State staff. And he said, there was no loyalty. The majority of the guys that were left there from Snellenberger's staff all wanted the job, and they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. So they were somewhat jealous. And he goes, it was the worst year in coaching I ever had. And he said, so I said to myself, when I ever get another chance, I'm bringing my guys with me. So it wasn't like he hired guys off the Green Bay staff, but guys that he had coached with or at least been with. He coached for Mike Nolan in San Francisco. Mm. He was mm. the offensive coordinator or quarterback for coach. For one year, yep. For one year when Nolan was the head coach at San and Francisco. I, I remember that. Uh, if you recall, Mike Nolan was uh, very uh, theatrical. On the sidelines because he went throwback. Right, he wore the right. suit, tie, right, and suit tie. And tie on yeah. the sideline, and that was very controversial. Yeah, it was. He had to get permission to do it. I think. I, right, I think he Nike didn't get had... permission first. Yeah. yeah, and they were not happy about it. Yes, and then he came back and tried to get permission. I don't think they were happy about it the second time. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a tribute to his dad. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but you gotta have. You still gotta yeah. have the gear contract that he. That's right. And, and then I thought it was interesting that when he said. You first, I first want to get my coordinators, and then let them have uh, a say in who we hire, who they hire on their staff. And Kellen Moore spoke up for Doug Nussmeyer, mm-hmm. and they moved him from tight ends coach to quarterback coach. Wow. And that's the only other coach they've kept, unless they decide to keep Leon Lett, who he wanted. To. Leon was actually coaching the East West Shrine game, and so they is were waiting keep for him that? to get back. He wanted to talk to him. Oh, that'd be great. But so, they talked on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And I bet he. Well, I'm thinking unless Leon has something better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, he. The, I think the guys reacted to him pretty well. So we'll see where that one goes. And the other thing that's happened here in the last week, Jason Garrett has uh, landed with the New York Giants. That's crazy. And Mark Colombo interviewing there. That's one thing we forget about when it comes to all of this coaching carousel. You know, now he's got a family, right? I mean, do Mm -hmm. do they all go with him? Are they going to stay here? Kids in school? I mean, I don't know. No, it's just he and his wife. It's just he and his wife? Yeah. Oh, she might like it here. Well, so she, she might, does. but they also probably liked when he was playing there and they lived in Manhattan. You know. That was a while ago, dude. Well, it was 2003, and he's got brothers and sisters, I think, that, that still live ago, in man. New that Jersey. So I guess we just kind of forget about how no, what the family upheaval. And when one guy gets fired, 20 guys get fired. Exactly. Yeah. And, every, and everybody's moving mm-hmm. families. And so think about all the coaches that, you know, uh, that do have kids and, yes. and extended family. And it's like Lus- Nussmeyer. I was thinking, oh, man, his son was going to be a senior. <laughs> These people are Flower Mound Marcus Marauder <laughs> fans. They're, his son, Garrett, who's going to be a senior, and a, he's a top he's a quarterback stud. recruit. He's oh, he's oh, a stud. Yeah. He's coming back for his senior him. year at Marcus yeah. so what, High School. What are they doing? What are they doing? Are they going to? No, here, here, he's here. Nussmeyer's staying as a quarterback. Oh, he's, he's the guy. So, yeah. 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 Now, yeah. Kidna, oh, and, you know, and, yeah, and John's thing. son is a quarterback at Frisco Reedy. Right. So that that's where they're landing. Yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, then, that's what happens. And then in our final few minutes here, uh, what happens with Jason Witten? It's a good question. I'd love that for him I don't to stay have on. the answer to. I'd love for him to stay on. 
Um, Only because of the attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he hired he hired a tight ends coach, uh, the guy that was with the Giants. Uh, Unda Lunda Wells. Lunda. I was like Lunda Wells. Lunda Wells. And I don't know that he wants to continue. Are you saying staying on as a player or? I would love for him to come on as a coach. Yeah, there you go. Because you know, it's already established. You know his attitude and how he communicates with the players. You know, sometimes behind the scenes we don't realize. You know, a guy might be a jerk in the locker room, and but the media loves him. The coaches love. No, I think Jason Witten's he's he's liked by all. I think uh, what he said in the locker room, people usually agree with, and I mean people mm-hmm. that count. Right. They usually agree with it. Uh, he pretty much sets the tone in that locker room. Bill, what do you make of the Chris Mortensen report? I was going to say, by the way, we can go to noon because there's no show after Okay. This. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, let's do that. Uh, Mort, I, which the Chris one? Mortensen report on Sunday morning, which said, uh, quoting sources, that keep an eye on Jason Witten, perhaps mm-hmm. joining Jason oh, Garrett in, with the Giants. It sounded like in a playing capacity if he decides to play. If he decides to play, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I mean, if I mean, he the does, play, he's the going. To, of it. Yeah, I bet yeah. he's going to New York by himself. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about family. He's right? got a slew of kids. <laughs> I mean, they're pretty entrenched in the community, uh-huh. and I think that's why it's more convenient. Well, well that's it's the not other just part about of the coaching part of it. If he wants, yeah, to, yeah, of course, of he could just sit out and not do, yeah, know, and be a dad for a year. And, and I think that's, you know? pop, but he said he did talk to Jason. I, I, I might have been phone calls or whatever, and he did talk to Sean Lee. Um, so McCarthy did. McCarthy did. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see. You got to you got to think that being a coach is more pressure on the family than being a player. That's kind of hard to say, because I, I saw I saw the players way more than I saw my family when I played. Mm-hmm. Coach was even worse. Oh yeah, especially depending on who you're coaching for. I remember when Springs came to uh, came to the to the Browns. It was my mm-hmm. last year playing, and and everyone always admired Tom Landry's screen passes. Mm-hmm. And Ron Springs is one of the best screen pass runners because he learned from Tom Landry and the best and Dorsett as well. And so Belichick brought him in to help them construct a good screen pass uh, philosophy uh, within his offense. And he said uh, no one would leave the office until Belichick turned off that treadmill and turned off his lights. <laughs> Everybody was just waiting. They have nothing in front of them. They're just waiting on Belichick to leave. Him. Don't you think Saban's the same way? I believe that. I believe that. Because Saban was one of the guys. He was right there with Belichick. I'm not going anywhere until he goes somewhere. Because he was the D.C. Right. for uh-huh. the Browns at the time. And, you know, Ron's there just as a consultant. So he's up here trying to spread <laughs> discontent. Hey, man, let's go. You ready to go? You ready to go? Come on, let's go out in this happy hour. Like, no. Jason, Gotta wait for Belichick. Uh, oh, Jason, Garrett, <laughs> Jason Garrett told a funny story when he was on Saban's staff at Miami. So he's a first-year quarterback coach at the Dolphins with Saban and it was the year um, I don't know if he'd finished the year so it was the year Troy Aikman gets into the Hall of Fame and you know he kind of wanted to go to the Hall of Fame ceremony and he got invited and he's like we got practice on (laughs) Saturday you know Friday I'd have to miss and he goes he goes but I just felt compelled that I should go uh, since I was so close to Troy and all those years. And so he finally said, I I worked up enough nerve to go into Saban's office and say, uh, Coach, um, 
I don't know if I can do this or not, or if it's okay, but Troy Aikman is going in the Hall of Fame, and you know, I know we got practice Friday and Saturday. <laughs> it's training camp, and Saban looked at him. He goes, "Do you think we can't go through practice without you?" <laughs> <laughs> I can see Nick saying that. It's like, why are you coming what? to me with this? Go. This is, yeah. Why are you asking me these questions? I have other stuff on my mind. <laughs> but that's the same thing. They're all the. I mean, that's coaching, right? Those guys are like that, and that's a hard job. Now, the coaches coach because you know that's their job. Oh, man. Players don't want to put in that much time again to coach. Yeah. Well, it, it's a difference now because the physical as opposed to the, the mental aspect is, right. is totally different. Yeah. But still, as you get older, I mean, Jason's not that young 22-year-old anymore, so there's still a toll on you physically and mentally. But when you're talking about playing, I think we take it for granted. You know, as players – I used to get up sore all the time, and it didn't. It was no big deal. You know, now that I'm older, I get up sore. It's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> kind of check your yeah, face. It's just right? the difference between you know your time and your life, and you have to you have to make sure that you understand that. Here's the deal with Jason Witten. I think he's got the potential to be like a Mike Vrabel, where he can be a head coach, whether it's at the major college level, let's say at Tennessee. Or in the NFL. I was wondering if he was considering going back to. Well, that guy might have saved his job at the end of the year at Tennessee. They kind of got uh, got successful. And so so what do you do to get in that position to be an NFL head coach? Okay, He's got 16, 17 years of experience already, which I I think counts for something right there. But as far as a coaching experience, what, what does it take for him to put himself in that position where he can be in position for a head coaching job I think he needs to stay on the professional level mm-hmm. if he really wants to get back to being a head coach stay on the professional level you have to get with an organization you get with a coaching staff to me it'd be more of a coaching staff where someone can show you the best way to be a head coach okay Vrabel could have gone anywhere and here, to learn and, how to be and here's a head what, coach but he he stayed I would imagine well no it, first ahead. off after he retired uh, he was at Ohio State linebackers coach for one year and then defensive line coach for two years. So he spent three years at his alma mater, Ohio State, and then hired by the Texans in t- 2014 as a linebackers coach, 2017 defensive coordinator, and then Texans next year. Patriots, one year as a D.C. and then to the Tennessee Titans as a head coach. If and, you were to go back, it's like this. If I'm Vrabel versus Witten. Vrabel goes back to Ohio State. Great program. Witten goes back to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Could get, <laughs> could get diff- lost there. Yeah, big difference. Yeah. So when, and and you know Vrabel of course played with the Patriots. So he's with Urban Meyer at Ohio State. He says that's right. the difference. So right. now you you got Jason uh, Jason Witten who's already a quintessential tight end. Mm-hmm. So just stay on this level. Not saying the college is beneath you, but for him that would be a step back to me. I think he would stay. But, should stay on this level, and it would it would be of value to him if he were to on this Cowboys coaching staff, even not coaching tight ends, probably greater value to him coaching a different position, maybe learning, an assistant special the, the teams coach under Fossil or something. Yeah, facets thinking. of you know? the game, yeah. exactly. Assistant special that. teams, learn something else, right? Because I think that certainly helped Andre Gerard, and I don't know what'll happen with him, but 
you've got a Pro Bowl center here, but he started working with the defensive linemen. Yes. Learn another part of the game. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, anytime you can make yourself more well-rounded, right? You, know, you take that opportunity. Don't turn it down. When I played, I was like, oh, I'm just a cornerback. Oh, only old people go into safety. You know, <laughs> only, only old mules go out to, to safety. Well, here comes Belichick. He's like, hey, you're going to safety. I'm like, man, cool. You yeah, know, and it, it made me a better player and and uh, really a better teammate. You know, and that that's what I think happens sometimes to head coaches when they have an expertise at one side of the ball, and then when they go and and they become a head coach, and your expertise is over here, you're at the mercy of the guy over here. That's right. Like take care. I can't fix the defense. You know, and and if you think about Jimmy. It's like he could kind of keep a hand on the defense when he first got here. He was at the mercy of his offensive coordinator. You know, and until North Turner got here, the, the offense struggled. That's why the staff is so important. Exactly. I, I Going back Jimmy to where we started, about right? X's and O's at all. Right. But he knew talent, not just as a player, as players. He knew talented coaches. Right. That's, that's a strength that. You really don't see that in the game these days. And he heard that about him in one night before an away game, and it was early, 89. And it was probably 90, I know, he hates 91. To hear that. He hates to hear that. And he came, he came into the hospitality room, and, and somehow it came up, and he got a, a cocktail napkin, and he started diagramming <laughs> offensive plays. <laughs> I'll show you what uh, I Okay, <laughs> Coach. Yeah, yeah, we'll take that with us. That's but think about it. Mike well. Shula was in over his head. And and he couldn't help that side of the ball out, and so oh, and it, Dave it, Shula, excuse me, yeah, Mike's yeah, still yeah. coaching. And, yeah. and it's 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 no knock on on you know coaches have egos. Jimmy right. had the biggest ego. It's not a bad thing to not know everything. Everybody's not Tom Landry, mm-hmm. you know. Tom was he was a special. Coaches back then they had to know. He knew it all. Every position. Right? They every had position. To. And yeah. if you think about it, when he hired Tom was a punter, so he had to know special teams yeah. as well. <laughs> when he hired North Turner, and it was at the the Super Bowl, we were in Tampa. I believe. Oh, you're familiar with that Super Bowl. You happened to be there, right? <laughs> he was twenty four. He was looking. He was looking for an offensive coordinator, and he had already been turned down interviews for a couple guys and somebody turned him down he was thinking of bringing stevens from the university of miami in. he Harry didn't want to do it they thought he was going to do it there was a coach at san diego they couldn't get an interview with like norv was the third or fourth choice right that he finally hired and we were in the middle of the week and spending our week chasing jimmy because we needed to know who the offensive coordinator was finally we we're at his hotel in the lobby, he comes down off the elevator and he sees us. He goes, look, I am not hiring anybody this week. Do yourself a favor. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and he called off the dogs, right? Because we're all sitting there waiting, following his every step of the way. Uh, and then he finally settled on Norv, and it was a home run. The best, and it was the like, best are you kidding me? You just hired the wide receivers coach from the Rams, who Norval Turner. Mm-hmm. Who ever heard of this guy, right? <laughs> and we didn't have Google back then. We couldn't. We couldn't Google him to figure Find out, out who, who this was. person was, right? <laughs> and then the rest is history, right? All right. The uh, the most significant hire on this coaching staff. Who is it? Oh boy. I hadn't looked at it that way. Is it the special teams coach, John Fossil? Fossil, I think that's huge. That was a big struggle. Now, I say the D line, but 
I'm, Jim Tom Sula. Tom Sula. I like Jim Tom Sula a lot. I think if, when you say significant, it, it, it's only going to be significant if he makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So let's hope it's the most significant pick because uh, that D line. I'm sorry, but that D line is is just as complicit in our. Uh, Inability to stop the run as a linebacker. Look at and look at what the 49ers have done with their D line. Where and, they and are you know, right you so let me we... piggyback on what I said. So the other side of the ball, Mike Nolan, whoever was the defensive coordinator to me, that's what needed to be fixed. You can't score 30 points a game to win every time. You've got to win some 24. I do or not want games. to go back to 2016, 17, to where we're all offense, no D. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I just, we, I'm tired of that. I want to go back to some type of doomsday. I don't care what you call it, but we've got to get a more staple defensive philosophy. We can't call okay? it hot boys anymore. No, the, please the 49ers don't. Please get out of here with the hot boys. Did hot you see grits, the, the 49ers? Have, uh, they, they're trademarking it. They're, they're putting it in. Oh, a did pen, they really? For a yeah, and on they, it. They, yeah. Now they deserve it. Exactly. They deserve it. And <laughs> they see the difference it makes. That. Your quarterback only has to throw what eight passes. <laughs> and you win a game because you can rely on your running game. What happened to Tennessee was their defense let them down, and they had to get away from the running game. When you have a good defense, it doesn't have to be full of superstars. Right. You could just go get some ballers, man, some mm-hmm. hungry players. Never heard of those guys on Buffalo's defense. I never heard of them. I'm sorry. I never heard of them. Mm-hmm. San Francisco, you know some of the guys because you guys are reporters, and you, somebody might be from the Texas area. I don't know, except for Richard Sherman and a couple other guys. And they're not the ones making all the plays. Well, and then they drafted the, the second pick in the draft, Bosa. <laughs> and Bo, of course, Bosa. So yeah. those are the names you know. The rest of them, they're just ballers. Right. Bosa's not carrying them. And uh, He's John playing Lynch, alongside of a heck of a defense. That's an eye for talent. It's Who was huge, the, too. the safety that was all over the place? He was a backup safety. He start. I can't remember for the 49ers? Yeah, it was 49ers sever, severance. Once again, I oh, just you're told th- you're you. thinking the, the Kansas other City Kansas yeah. Sorensen. City Sorensen. Daniel Sorensen. Who's Daniel who is Sorensen? the backup Juan Thornhill, right. who a lot of people thought the Cowboys should have drafted instead of Tristan Hill and had a great rookie season for Kansas City. He got hurt, so they they just put their third safety Daniel Sorensen in there and he's making plays all over the field. And it's a Kansas City place. defense that timing is everything mm-hmm. that has at this point, turned out to be one of the best defenses in the league from game from week eight on to the end right. of the season. So defense and running the football, you guys, it's still important. It oh, by the way, it they've is. got a honey badger over there on that Kansas and, City. Tyron Matthews. Yeah. And they, who, man, you got to be happy for him. So, yeah. so you got Richard Sherman on San Francisco's defense. And you got and they're loving each other Tyron on Twitter. Matthews. Yeah, they're going back. <laughs> they kill him. I thought they were kissing on Twitter. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a big difference. It All right, does. are we about out of time? We're about out of time. Is the uh, green notebook in, in it, business? In fact, there it is. You haven't seen this ever since. So I've been looking at it all morning. <laughs> big green NFL draft scouting notebook. It is He's open like for Cliff business. Harris. He's got crap in his so, closet. I, mean, I want to know. Look, I've already got names in there. These are guys I'm studying for the draft starting today. Did you go back ball. to like 20, what, 15, 16, and you had Raheem Mostert in there? I did not have wow, Raheem think about Mostert. That. Yeah. Think about that. Can't end the show without I did. This in 2015, I did have Daniil Hunter, and he's got over 50 sacks in this league. So wow. there. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. We'll talk at you next can't Tuesday people, here on Talking Cowboys. People. That's right. <laughs> this has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?